Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We are on Psalm 24, the Psalm for Sunday. We did the first half. I really want to finish up today. And um, we'll reread through the first half. We'll go on to the second half. We'll... Uh, and what we'll talk about is try to get it after understanding it, the shot, um, we'll try to, um, ask how do we understand, how might we un- guess at an understanding of the original setting of this psalm in ancient times? That'll be question one. What's its, what is its story? Uh, that seems to suggest that could suggest a setting when it was recited, why it was written. Um, and then question two, of course, is why do we think it might have been selected for Sunday? There might be more than one answer to that question. We know again, back in Mishnah Tamid that uh, tells that this is the Psalm that the Levim said when the temple was standing. So the tradition connecting this Psalm to Sunday goes way, way back, although not necessarily probably not back to the time of its writing. So I don't think we should make any assumption that it was written for the first day of the week, but rather that it was selected for the first day of the week. Okay. So going to review um, a Psalm of David. The earth is Hashem's and all its fullness, the world and all its dwellers or inhabitants for God founded it, meaning the Aretz, on the waters and established it on the rivers. Who can ascend to God's mountain and who can stand in God's holy place? We said we assume this means the Beit HaMikdash because the Kodesh as a noun, the holiness very often in the Psalms refers to the temple. At least it means that concretely. You can take that as more metaphorically if you want. <laughs> rhetorical question. Well, it wasn't a rhetorical question, I guess, because the question, it's an actual question because it has an answer. Who can stand in God's holy mountain? Answer. Niki chapayim uvar levav, one who is clean of hands and clean of heart. Asher lo lashav nafshi, who has not seem, it seems to mean who has not taken my name falsely at velonish balamirma and, and not sworn falsely. This person, that person who of clean hands, can will receive a blessing from God and just reward from God of his salvation. Such is this generation or group of those who seek him, meaning seek God. Sorry for the genderedness of it. Zedor Dor Shav, Fanecha. Those who seek your face, Yaakov, Jacob, meaning we assume the people, this group of people who seek your face, O God, are Jacob, meaning the Jews, Selah, which means who knows what. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple of questions I want to ask. First of all, we said God made everything, and then we said who can ascend to God's house, only the one who is of pure of hand and pure of heart. And he's the one who gets the blessing. So I, I want to ask you, there is an, I want to 
point out there is an, an inferred relationship between statement one and statement two. Statement one is God created everything. Statement two is who can go up to God's house? Only those that are pure. I, I just want to try to make explicit what is implicit here. It's not a trick question. What's the relationship between statement one and statement two? I'm going to say it again. Statement one, God created the whole world. Statement two, who can come up to God's holy mountain? Only the person who is pure of heart and hand. Those two statements are not necessarily inherently logically connected. Like, just because God created the world, why does it follow? Why should it follow? Why might it follow that only the pure-handed and pure-hearted can come up to God's temple? Maybe God created the world for everyone, and everyone can come up to God's temple, uh, righteous and sinners alike. But that's not what it seems to say. It says only the righteous. Alan, you have a thought about this? The, the element of that we humans have free choice, free will to be able to do what we do. We can be the sinners or we can be the followers of God law. And if we do that, then we can ascend to. Okay. I, I want to argue with you. Why can't I be a sinner and say, but I want to come to the temple to offer a sacrifice to God? Well, it, the, the passage <clears throat> seems to suggest that 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 somehow that um, couldn't happen or wouldn't happen or shouldn't happen. It doesn't say should, could, or would. There's an inferred relationship. Michael, you want to give it a try? I'll give it a try. I, I, I would say that the, uh, the missing element or that's implied is yeah. Shuva. Okay. Go on. You want to say another sentence? Um, I, I mean, you know, uh, building on what Alan said, um, um, a free will. But there's always a possibility of uh, of, of tshuva, and uh, and so that you can you can uh, the etzahara can be overcome, and and so someone can aspire to having uh, can act in a way that would then become uh, because God is uh, merciful in the okay. end. Okay, right. But um, but in ancient times, part of how I would effect tshuva is to give a sacrifice and to give that sacrifice, I have to come to the temple, which means at the moment of coming to the temple with my sacrifice, I haven't still done, I haven't yet fully done tshuva. So how can you call me pure, pure hearted and clean handed? Mm. Michael, maybe we're not talking about all of the Israelites. Maybe we're talking about only the Kohanim because maybe, you know, everyone can ascend to the, to the temple, but, but when it says stand in God's sanctuary, maybe referring to the Holy of Holies. Okay, maybe. Good, good, good thought. We have three thoughts. Anyone want to add another one? So I just want to point out that there is some inferred relationship here that is not made explicit between God as creator and God wanting only the righteous to be in God's temple. Okay? So whether that's God's requirement or the temple must be kept pure, or the Kohanim who serve there have to be righteous, something, there's a connection between creator God and righteousness. I just want to point that out. That should be familiar to us, right? Parshat 
Was it Vayera? Yeah, Vayera. We just read it. Avraham says to um, God, Hashofet kola aretz lo yasem ishpat. Shall not the judge of earth do judgment when he's arguing about Sodom? Right? So there is an, I just want to point out, there is an implicit connection here somehow between God as creator and desiring righteousness. You might say, oh, duh, that's obvious. I just want to point out, oh, it's not necessarily obvious. Okay. We did say months ago that in ancient times, maybe in Mishnah times, um, there were people who were what's called binatarians. They believed that there were two gods, a higher God and a lower God. The higher God created the world and kind of walked away. The higher God was like grandpa, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and didn't do much. And then the second God was in charge of all the world. And that's why the world was such a mess because the second God was not a purely righteous God, right? It's a way of explaining why the world is a mess. Apparently, the fact that the world is a mess is not new. <laughs> it was experienced to be that way 2,000 years ago. And people had to have various theological reasons to try to explain if God is all-powerful, created the world and wants justice, how come the world is such a mess? Okay, so one explanation that was given was, well, you know, there's a higher God and the lower God. The higher God created the world, left number two in charge, and that number two is not necessarily such a great uh, CEO. Okay. So, so, but I, but I want to point out, but our Psalm would have none of that. Our Psalm would say, no, no, no. God as creative force demands something like justice or righteousness. By the way, um, I read a commentary during the week. I didn't notice this last week. Uh, no one mentioned it. Niki chapai muvar levav. What's the difference between clean of hands and pure of heart? How do they complement each other? Clean one's of internal, hands. one's external. Yeah, which is external. The hands. Right, or we could say that is deeds, actions. And barley vav is what's internal. Not, not only does not want, God, not only does God not want evil doers coming up to God's holy place, God does not want, God does not even want evil thinkers coming up to God's holy place. You got to have pure of deed and pure of mind. That's a pretty tall order, by the way. Okay. Okay. Um, one foot, I have a lot of footnotes. I don't want to do too many footnotes. I'm just going to do one before we go on because I do really do want to finish today and I have a hard stop at 845. Um, we questioned, or at least I questioned the translation of Zedor Dor Shav Mivakshe Fanecha Yaakov Sela. Such are the people who seek him, who long for the presence of Jacob's God. What did we ask about that translation? Anyone remember? Look at the Hebrew, look at the English. What does Jacob's God seem to be translating? Or presence of Jacob's God is translating what Hebrew words? Um, Come on. So what word is missing in the Hebrew? That's in the English. It's a big one. Descendants? No. Your face? No. God. God. Those who seek your face, comma, i.e. Jacob. It doesn't say God of Jacob. How would, if we wanted to say God of Jacob, 
if you wanted the Hebrew to say God of Jacob, what might it say? Might, what might it say? Mivakshay. I know some of you know enough Hebrew to answer this. Mivakshay. Elohei Yaakov. Or Mivakshay Penei, if we want the face, right? The presence. Mivakshay Penei Elohei Yaakov. And the Hebrew does not say Penei Elohei Yaakov. So how in the world did our translator have the chutzpah to translate as Jacob's God? Does everyone see the, the question? It does not say Mivakshay Penei Elohei Yaakov. So I went to my Biblia Hebraica, which is the not Jewishly published um, critical edition of the Tanakh uh, published by Bible scholars, which has footnotes with, you know, manuscript variants. And it says that there are some Hebrew manuscripts and two early translations, the Greek and the Syriac. Syriac is a language like Aramaic. It was used by Christians in Talmud times. All right. So the Greek and the Syriac and some manuscripts in Hebrew have Elohe Yaakov. In other words, and actually they have not Panecha, they have Pnei Elohe Yaakov. In other words, there are some versions, early versions of the written Torah, right? Um, that may have said Pnei Elohe Yaakov. So our translator, let's just summarize what our translator did. Our translator chose a text that is not the traditional Jewish Masoretic text, but rather some other text which might have existed in ancient times, because our translator thought that that makes more sense. Because we've had a hard time with this line, right? Mivakshay panecha Yaakov, selah. It's, it's awkward for anyone who knows some biblical Hebrew. Zedor dorshav, kama, mevakshay panecha, kama, Yaakov, exclamation point, or something like that, right? Um, so there was a version that was an Elohe Yaakov. I'm not voting for which, which I think was the right one. It doesn't matter what I think. And we don't know. Okay. There might have been two versions. Okay. Second half. So basically God's creator. So God says for whatever the inference is. So God says, I only want pure righteous people coming up to my temple. Okay. That's the one who's going to get a blessing. And that is what you are like. Oh, generation who, who, um, um, comes seeking God. Oh, Jacob, you are all righteous. That's the first half of the Psalm. Everyone with me? Second half is what we got up to last week. Uh, Avi, quick question. Yep. Yeah. You, 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 what you just said was as if the Psalm is in the voice of God. I take it back. I realize that. Sorry. I take it entirely back. Entirely back. Thank you. The psalmist is saying God is creator. God only want, who can come up to God's mountain? Only righteous, pure people. That's the one who's going to get the blessing. And who is a generation like that? You are, oh, Jacob. Thank you, Larry. I stand corrected. I went astray. Okay. Mm-hmm. Onward. Second half. Lift up your heads, lintels. Thank you. Lift high your lintels, O ye gates. Open wide, pitre olam, could mean eternal doors, or it can mean ancient doors. Olam in modern Hebrew means world, and it, it, it came to mean 
infinite space, but originally it meant in, in biblical Hebrew, it means infinite time. So olam va'ed can mean forever in the future, but olam could also mean forever backwards. And that's why it's translated as ancient gates. So it could either be ancient gates, which is a little odd because we know that Solomon built the temple. I guess at a certain point they came to be ancient, but they weren't, you know, there forever. Um, or gates that will stand forever. Okay. Lift up your lintels. So that the king of glory can come through. Rhetorical question. Well, it's not a rhetorical. It's a question that has an answer. Who is the glorious king? Hashem, mighty and strong. Hashem, the warrior. Second time, lift up your heads or lintels, O ye gates, and open wide, you ancient doors. Slight difference, hinas u versus us u. So that the glorious king can come in. Who is the glorious king? Before we had the glorious king was God depicted as um, mighty, strong, powerful. And here we have something different. God is Hashem Tzvaot, God of the hosts. Anyone remember what are the hosts? The angels, the angels, the heavenly, the heavenly host. Yeah. And, and that's, you made it very nice and medieval by saying the angels. Who, but before that in biblical time, who were the hosts? Before there were angels. They were the stars. Okay. All the, all the divinity, all the divine beings. What are the divine beings? I saw them last night. I saw Jupiter. I saw Mars. I saw the moon. I'm just saying that literally. I saw all those things last night when I went outside late to Davin Mar and looked up at the sky. Okay. Uh, if you go out about 1030, you can see Jupiter and Mars, although you do have to swivel your head a little bit. You can't, you can't see both of them in one, one glance. Maybe you could if you have great peripheral vision. <laughs> so, so those are the hosts. All those, remember the Milky Way, all those stars up there, they're all celestial beings in the ancient mind. And that is God's army. Okay. God marshals God's army. So on the one hand, it's, so we have the first image of God coming in as God is the mighty warrior. And the second image is also God as leading an army. Okay. But it's not power. We, it's not Izuz, Gibor, right? But it's Hashem Tzvaot, God of hosts. So you can say of all the angels or of all the celestial beings, but these are imagined as God's army a ki- or retinue. A king does not walk around alone. Right. Unless the king wants to be in one of those stories where the king goes in disguise into the market to see what's really going on in the king's kingdom. Right. A king walks around with a giant protective retinue or at the head of an army. So here's my question to you. What seems to you to be happening might be too strong a word. But what is the what is the author of the psalm thinking in the second half of this psalm. What are they thinking? What are they thinking of? What are they imagining? What's happening in life or in, in real life or in the psalmist's imagination? Not a trick question. From the, from the translation in, in the Lev Shalem, I get, almost get the feeling of thinking about the world to come. Ooh. Because they translate it as, that. 
um, because the open open the gates is translated here. Open up, O gates! Open up the entryway to eternity. Ah, that's interesting. So they make uh, the gates of the olam being future rather than past, yeah. gates to eternity rather than ancient. Okay, interesting. Okay, so let's back away from from olam haba. Let's stay in olam hazeh. Okay. What is the psalmist thinking about or seeing or imagining? Larry, you were starting to say something. Yeah, I said a coronation. Okay, say a little more. What makes you think of a coronation? Uh, I'm quickly looking. I was walking, so I didn't have the... Uh... No, no, no. I want to ask your brain. Yeah. Well, it's like entering into the gates of, almost the gates of heaven where God is residing in any case, or wherever God resides. You, you people are so rabbinic saying that God resides in heaven as opposed to God resides in the Beit HaMikdash, which is what I thought uh, Vayikra tells us. But go on. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't thinking. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of that. I was just thinking of this is. Well, first of all, I, I it seems to me um, that this this second part is completely disconnected from the first part. Well, we'll have to connect it. Uh, let's just stick with what is the second part about. You said it. Just finish up. When you say coronation, what do you mean? This is where everyone is is recognizing God as king. How does God come in with a procession? Right. Yeah. Right. There are right. doors. Just, We're saying right. open the gates. By the way, God apparently is big. God is so big that we're saying not just fling open the doors, oh, but right. lift up like the lintels. You have to imagine not just the gates have to open, but the lintel has to actually the lintel is that cross piece thing on the top. Right. The lintel right. actually has to elevate. You know, it's like when you got some, uh, you know, you got some giant thing delivered to your home and and the people who come with it say it can't fit through the door. We've got to take the door off the hinges. OK, so it's almost as if this is a. um like one of those fantasy shows and as the, as the, as God, the King is, is entering, the buildings actually start to open up for him to move through. Okay. Cause God is so big. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Now I'm going to upset everyone. Okay. Now I'm going to ruin your, ruin your appreciation of this psalm. Where is God coming from? Battle. Apparently. So God, Victor, has returned from battle, Hashem Gibor Milchama, with his Sivaot. And where does the king come to when the king returns from battle? The king triumphantly returns to the city, the palace. The Beit HaMikdash is God's palace. Okay. So this is sort of a procession of some sort. Okay. But why would that, why would that upset us? Because for me, oh, the, ba- the battle part, you might not like the battle part. No, I love, okay. Well, I, I love it because for me, this is, we've adapted an earlier, more God, you know, anthropomorphized God or gods. And that's what gods did is they joined you on the battlefield and now you're victorious, you and your people. And it's God who has led you, and it's God who then you take back to the uh, to the palace. Correct. And by the so, way, and this leads some of the traditional comment, some of the some of the commentators to say that. Um, by the way, we know in ancient times, if you read like the book of uh, Joshua and Samuel, 
that sometimes the Aron Kodesh was taken out in front of the troops when they went to battle so that God's presence would be, you know, like we, that's why we have a Vahibin so Aron Vayomer Moshe, right? Um, from the Midbar, from the book of Numbers, right? So that God's presence would be with the troops in battle. So when they were victorious, what do you think they would do? They would have a big recessional, processional, recessional, back to the temple where the ark was brought back to its place. So there are some of the commentators who say that originally this may have been a psalm that was written in that context. And oh, by the way, as we are coming up to God's holy mountain, God who created the whole world and put set it on the rivers, the only people who are allowed to come, the only people God wants, God wants you up here if you are pure-handed and pure-hearted. That's the one who's going to receive the blessing. Okay? I mean, can, I, can I just say, Diane and I are working yeah. our way through the entire mar- set of Marvel movies. Uh-huh. It's a lot. But it's a lot of work. It's, yeah. it's a lot. We're about halfway through. But everybody is, whether you've seen the Marvel movies or not, everybody's seen these scenes in various movies, whether it be Wizard of Oz or Star Wars or various um, other things, some, some which I haven't seen, but the Guardians of the Galaxy do the same thing, where at the end of the movie, the gods or the the superhuman, supernatural beings and all that come at, in this grandiose procession in front of the supposed rulers or whatever. And the hall is always huge. It was in Star Wars as well. In the uh-huh. first, end of the first uh-huh. Star Wars. Yes. That to me is what this is. Do- that to me is exactly what this is. Or in other words, that image in the movies is built on real life, ancient and medieval things, exactly. which is reflected in the writing of this psalm. Michael, Michael Harris. Yes, I was going to say, this. it's no wonder that this is chosen for returning the, the Torah to the ark. On, on weekday, absolutely. Totally perfect. We are, Exactly. You got it. Okay, now let's talk about Sunday. Why is this the psalm for Sunday? Why do you think this is the psalm for Sunday? Why, why do you think this was selected as a psalm for Sunday? Meyer said something last week which was obvious, which is God started to create the world on the first day, and this psalm leads off with God as the creator. God founded the earth on the waters, correct? And we actually had in the first day, et ha-shamayim ve-et ha-aretz, and we had the mayim. So we have these elements in Breshi, chapter one, first paragraph. So okay. it's God's, so it's God's first, uh, the first day of the week is God's, for, uh, is, uh, is God's day, so to speak. Yes. Sunday. That's what the Christians do. Christian terms. Correct. Right. <laughs> right. Um, good. Um, anyone think of, uh, of, uh, any other connection with the first day of the week? Back to work. I just want to suggest one connection back to work, right? Which is we emerge from Shabbat. Hopefully on Shabbat, you kind of, uh, I don't know, divested yourself of, Weekend schmutz and you received your neshama yatera, your enlarged soul, which you, you, which helped you enjoy life in a deeper, more meaningful way. Prayer, study, fellowship. Um, and we emerge from Shabbat and then day one of the week, we say, who can be in, who can be on the God team? 
as it were, only the one who is pure handed, right? So I want to suggest that maybe a deeper connection, not just the, um, the obvious, uh, what's the word, uh, obvious time one, like it talks about God as creator. So that fits with the first day of creation, right? Um, but perhaps also a, a, a another meaning, right? Kind of a psychological meaning. As I emerge into the week, it is a reminder that I would like to remain niki chapayim uvar levav, right? Clean of hands and pure of mind. Whatever <laughs> blessings I felt I got on Shabbat, right? Um, because many of us do feel that Shabbat, you know, has blessings with it in terms of what we do on Shabbat that we don't get to do during the week and what we refrain from on Shabbat that we do do during the week. Um, we want to carry that forward into the week. So I just want to suggest that this is like a little, a little Malava Malka piece of Malava Malka, right? Of like, Oh, I hope going into the week, I remain as much as possible that pure person which we will see as we go on through the week is clear as, as we go on through the Psalms of the week is clearly not possible. It does not affect, does not affect reality, not does not reflect reality. Okay. But is our wish on that first day of the week. So I just want to suggest that psychological piece to it. Okay. Sorry. I said, we have to stop. We're going to, we ran over. We're going to stop and God willing, I'll see you next week. And we'll go on to the Psalm for Monday. Everyone. Try hard, even though it's Tuesday already, to remain pure of hands and pure of heart. Have a good day. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to TBA.com. LA.org.